This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Looking ahead to the weather forecast for tomorrow, it's very typical St. Patrick's Day weather. It'll be a mixture of sunny spells and showers, but unfortunately, some of those showers similar to today will be heavy and prolonged. All we can do is keep our fingers crossed and hope that when all the parades are underway, that we get the sunny spells as opposed to the prolonged uh, showers. And if you are in a town or in the city, anywhere near where there's a parade on, please go out and support it because there's a lot of work goes into organising the these uh, parades and be respectful please of the volunteers if they ask you to move or if they ask you not to park in a certain area because unfortunately we heard, we heard due to lack of volunteers the Middleton Parade isn't going ahead, ahead but we also heard that in previous years some of the volunteers took a lot of verbal abuse from people when they were asked not to park in an area or if there was a road uh, closure so we've just got to be kind and be mindful of people who give up of their time to volunteer so that others can enjoy St. Patrick's day uh, parades as I say please go out and support any parade that's happening in your area I was looking with interest and this is only happening in Dublin it's not as far as I know uh, I haven't heard of it happening here in Cork and this is a voluntary ban on the sale of alcohol from off licences especially when the St. Patrick's Day Parade is going to be on in uh, in Dublin and it was issued by the Gardaí they they made the point that the Patrick's Day Parade in Dublin is a family friendly event and uh, it showcases obviously everything that's happening around the St. Patrick's Day Festival in Dublin and they say to assist Gardaí with the policing of the event they ask off off licences and it, it is a voluntary one but they ask them to refrain from selling drink until after four o'clock on St. Patrick's Day and seemingly a similar ban has been in place in uh, previous uh, years. Now the, the Gardaí do uh, say that they will and do enforce laws that prohibit the sale of alcohol in uh, public areas. Now the bars will all be open in Dublin but the off licences refrain from opening until four o'clock which isn't, isn't a bad idea. It's just to stop the kind of the drinking on the streets which can of course then lead to antisocial behaviour and it can ruin it for everybody else particularly when you know, St. Patrick's Day parades, as we say, they are uh, family events. John Paul's taking your calls at 0818 103 103. You can text her WhatsApp to 086 to 103 103. And actually, it is going to be a busy uh, few days, kicking off from tomorrow, Friday, right across uh, the weekend. And there's lots of things uh, happening outside of all the St. Patrick's Day parades, but there will be a lot of tourists around uh, as well. And of course, unfortunately, across bank holiday weekends like this, people have a tendency to get sick it always seems to happen at the wrong time and with that in mind hospitals and the out of hours GP services in, here in Munster are once again seeing a surge in uh, patient numbers and the South Dock out of hours service in Cork and Kerry has so far this year seen almost 10% more patients than during the same period last year and that's even allowing for an extra bank holiday and the Medical director with South Doc, uh, a doctor by the name of Gary Stack, is quoted in the papers today as saying, We had 3,500 more patients in South Dock to date than the same period last year. There is increased demand and he said we're running with the same or fewer doctors as daytime GPs so therefore there's a significant overspill to the out of hours service and he's warning in particular they're seeing a lot of patients who no longer have a GP. He said they also are seeing patients who can't access their own GP during the day and he says we are also having 
having uh, patients come who simply just do not have access to a GP during the day. And he's now calling on the public to be understanding over the St. Patrick's Day weekend. He says Southstock normally deals with about two and a half thousand patients every weekend, but obviously they expect that number to increase considerably this weekend because this weekend, being a bank holiday weekend, will be a three-day weekend uh, for them. And he said, you know, they expect to see more more people because of St. Patrick's uh, Day um, and it's a busy sporting weekend and the nature of the celebrations that go on around uh, St. Patrick's Day. So it'll be mindful of that that if you do need to ring Southstock and I think for the majority of people you'll only ring uh, Southstock if it is absolutely it's absolutely necessary I don't think anybody rings Southstock just for the hell of it but be mindful of it if you do ring there could be uh, delays but I think that's going to be an ongoing issue with people either if you move new to an area people are finding it hard to access a GP because you know you'll ring around the local GP surgeries to be so sorry no our patient list uh, is full we are often hearing about people who try to have a doctor but when they ring to try to get a doctor's appointment there's no appointments available they might be able to get an appointment for a week and if you really feel you need to see a GP I can understand why there is an overflow and a spillover into the GP out of our service and it's putting them under extreme pressure but already so far at this uh, year they've seen a 10% increase and that's only what are we two and a half months into the new year. Thanks to Anne-Marie Cronin who heard me mentioning St Patrick's Day tomorrow and the St Patrick's Day Parade and asking people to please support your local St Patrick's Day Parade so Anne-Marie wants to shout out for the Castletown Bear St. Patrick's Day Parade. She said a huge thanks to everybody who has helped out so far and all of those who are putting huge uh, effort into getting their floats ready for tomorrow. She also says to please be mindful if you are passing through the town of Castletown Bear between 3 and 4.15 you can expect traffic delays so please be patient and uh, enjoy the celebrations wherever you may be says Anne-Marie Cronin in Castletown Bear. Their parade as they kicks off at three o'clock, but at half past two, there will be music in the square um, first. Then the parade kicks off at, at three. And then following the parade, the Skull Rinka Carney will give a wonderful display of Irish dancing. And by the way, just locally, there is a fundraising draw which is helping to finance the parade. And we're asking people to please, uh, if you are in the area, to support that fundraising draw. So good luck to everybody involved with the Castletown Bear St. Patrick's Day Parade on tomorrow. And a little bit of good news. One of our listeners earlier on in the week sent us in a picture of a road sign on the Mallow to Killarney Road where the spelling of the Green Glens Arena was wrong. Instead of arena, A-R-E-N-A, arena was spelt A-R-E-A-N. They got the A and the N mixed up. So we got out to Cork County Council to say, are you aware that there is a sign up the spelling of Green Glens Arena is wrong and I don't know if they were aware or not but they have come back to say that Cork County Council are now arranging for the sign to be corrected. So I know for the listener that sent that in uh, she'll be happy uh, to hear that. So well done to Cork County Council. They've realised the error of their ways and they're going to sort it out. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at C103.ie. Now, as we all know, it is against the law to drive unaccompanied on a learner permit, but that didn't stop almost 6,000 learner drivers from picking up penalty points last year after being stopped and found to be driving without a qualified motorist. Brian Farrell of the Road Safety Authority uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Brian. 
Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're very welcome. Now, your main message to learner drivers, outside of they are breaking the law to be driving unaccompanied, but your main message is they could end up being put off the road before they even take their test. Yeah, I- exactly. Um, it, it, well, first to say it, it is shocking to see so many learner drivers taking a chance uh, putting themselves and other road users at risk because they are vulnerable road users due to their inexperience. Uh, they are literally untested. So that's why it's that's why it's so important. That's why the law is there. You must be accompanied by a driver who's held a full licence for more than two years, so it can't be a novice driver. But look, if the figures serve to do anything, and what I would like learner drivers to understand is that, the, you know, those numbers show that the Gardaí are enforcing this road safety law and not to take a chance because as you said A, you could have the vehicle seized B, you could end up with two penalty points and an 80 euro fine C, the person who gave you the car could end up being prosecuted and the last point which is a really important point is that learner drivers need to understand that they are subject to a lower penalty point threshold for ordinary drivers who hold a full licence if they get or accumulate 12 penalty points in a three year period they face a six months disqualification but learner drivers and novice drivers but learner drivers in this case are subject to a seven penalty point threshold so you know it, it's almost like three strikes and, and you're out if, you, mm. if you're detected uh, driving on a company let's say you get let's say you get stopped for being on a mobile phone that's three penalty points so what we're asking learner drivers to understand is that you know disqualification is a real prospect here if you are a repeat offender on the roads, if you're speeding, if you're uh, using a mobile phone, if you're not wearing a seatbelt, but if you are driving unaccompanied as well. And just to think about what a disqualification actually means, what it would mean for you in practice in terms of your lifestyle. And it could impact your, uh, your, your job. It could impact your ability to get to school or to college. Uh, it could have serious impact on your on on your social life, and you would be dependent on utterly dependent on others uh, to, to 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 go to go about your daily business. It's, it's simply it's simply just not worth it. But I think your other point that you just uh, touched on the owner of the vehicle, and let's be honest, for a lot of learner drivers, it's normally mum or dad's car they're driving. If yeah. they drive unaccompanied. Mum or dad can face penalties, and I don't know if a lot of parents realise that. Yeah, if if someone is driving an unaccompanied vehicle, if it's their own vehicle, well, then as he, as you mentioned, the, the the car can be seized, and don't forget as well, you'll have to pay uh, um, a not inconsiderable amount of money to get the car released from the pound, and each day you leave it in uh, in the pound, it that. that cost is going up and up. So that's another outlay that you'll have to to fork out. But yeah, if if someone gave you the car, loaned you the car to drive and uh, and to drive unaccompanied, that individual can can face prosecution and, and, um, you know, there's there's fines up to €5,000. You could could be landed with. And and a prosecution and a conviction. Yeah, I don't know if many many parents are are, are aware of that. But Brian, have you any sympathy for rural drivers who don't have access to good uh, good public transport? Transport who might just take the risk? No, because I'm one of those individuals who has two children, teenagers, who are learning to drive in rural Ireland and West Cork, and we have to, I mean, there's just no alternative, uh, uh, and it's just something that just is, 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 is unconscionable. You just do not get into a car as an untried, untested, unproven learner driver and drive alone. It's just, it's just, not, uh, it's, it's just not something 
that uh, you do, no matter how you good do, you think you, no matter how good you think your driving skills are. So I suppose uh, in order to avoid all of this, get your license as soon as you can. Well, the most important thing to do is learn how to drive. You know, a lot of people still, unfortunately, think the driving test and the learning to drive is a means to an end, uh, i.e. about getting that plastic card and your licence and, and you're away. It's more important than that. It's, it's, it's about learning life skills uh, that will keep you safe on the roads and, and, and doing what is probably the most dangerous thing we do every day, using the roads. So it's important that we build up those skills, that we take the time to build up those skills, that not only do we do our lessons with our approved driving instructor, but that we're getting the supervised tuition outside of those lessons to put into practice what the uh, driving instructor is, 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 is telling the candidate to do. And talking to the parents about, uh, you know, the young person in your house, um, you, know, you know, getting the skills building up the skills through supervised uh, driving. Because unfortunately, a lot of people think that it's just do the lessons and then you're good to do the test and you'll pass. That's not how it works. That, that, and, and, and if anyone who takes that approach, that their candidate is probably going to fail. And it's probably one of the main reasons why we've, you know, nearly half of all people fail the driving test because unfortunately, they just do the lessons and they think that that's it. They're ready to take the test. They're not. It's about building up a life skill and it's about acquiring the, um, the hazard perception skills to be able to drive safely uh, uh, and, and, and I suppose be able to deal with any possible hazard that you might encounter on the roads. Yeah, and that's where the parents have to step up and, and be willing to go out in the car with them so that they can gain that experience. Yeah, exactly. Patricia, there is an investment of time required here on, on the part of the guardians of the parents to take their young adults, their, their learner driver out uh, and supervise driving so they can build up those skills that they're getting and learning when they're in their uh, essential driver training lessons with, uh, with, with their driving instructor. And I've already mentioned at the top of the programme, you know, we're heading into a busy weekend. It's the St. Patrick's weekend and there's lots of festivals and celebrations uh, going on. I saw yourselves at the RSA just issuing warnings, particularly to young people about, you know, consuming alcohol or drugs uh, before driving. And, you know, to to see that statistic that, you know, half of all of the fatalities on Irish roads Mm. were aged 35 and younger. it's, It's young people we're trying to protect here. Yeah, and it's not a great start to the year either, Patricia. We've lost 40 lives on the road state this year. That's an increase of four on, on the same time uh, last year. And of course, 2022 uh, saw a 14% increase in road deaths. So yeah, we are worried, particularly the number of younger people being killed on the roads. And as you said, uh, you know, just over half under, under, 30, under, under 35. And that compares to about, you know, uh, you know, that group accounting for a third of all fatalities on our roads last year. So it, it is a worry. We're coming into a, a high-risk period on the road. It's typically associated with uh, impaired driving, whether through drink or drugs. Uh, and one of the particular messages we're, we're trying to hammer home this time is the morning after. If you, if you look at the figures that the Guardi released for um, uh, uh, drink driving and drug driving um, arrests uh, over the Patrick's weekend last year, um, uh, 34 of them were during the hours of uh, 6 o'clock and 12 PM. So it does highlight the fact that the, the morning after is a danger zone. We, we see it in the collision statistics. Uh, about one in ten 
alcohol-related crashes are happening the morning after. And uh, unfortunately, the Guardi are still detecting people the morning after. Now, there's two things that might be going on there, Patricia. One is people who should know better and are taking a chance. Um, and then there's people who are maybe not aware that uh, they could still be over the legal limit the following day. And look, it's so important that if you're doing the right thing the night before, that you have to do the same thing the next day. Because drink driving is drink, drink driving, no matter what time of the day or, or, or day of the week it is. Yeah, once the alcohol is in your system, you're, you're going to be impaired. You, you mentioned about people losing uh, their licences, um, you know, and have and been licences taken off them. I, yeah. I saw it, it, actually, it was an RSA report um, during the week about the vast majority of motorists banned from driving who don't surrender their licence. Is, is, yeah. that, is that a real concern? It, it is a concern. It is a concern. But what the biggest concern for us in, in, in all of this discussion is um, whether someone who's disqualified and that person we would classify as high risk. They have been disqualified for, uh, you know, dangerous behaviour on the roads um, and their right to drive has been has been forfeit for a period. Our biggest concern is that that individual, regardless of whether or not they've surrendered their licence, which they are legally supposed to do, gets into a car and drives. And that's where the Gardaí come in. And that's why it's so important that the Gardaí have to have the tools to be able to detect those drivers if they get into the car and if they uh, take a chance and drive uh, while disqualified. And I'd have to say the Gardaí have their mobile app technology, Mm -hmm. which is able to give them access to the National Vehicle Driver File, which has now uh, been updated and upgraded uh, to take uh, electronic transfer from the courts to notify if someone who's been disqualified so that that process is speeded up. So if a guard has stopped someone at the at, at the roadside, regardless of whether or not they have a license or not with them, you know, based on, you know, getting details of the, of the person's name and address, they will be able to see whether or not this person is disqualified, should be on the road or not. And Equally important is the Guardian now have the powers to, to take that individual before the courts straight away because there was a time it was a revolving door. They were disqualified, they were caught disqualified, they were mm. brought into the Garda station and then released and let out the, the, you know, and waiting for a court date and, and God knows when that court date will come. That's all changed now. The guards have the powers now to arrest these individuals if they are detected driving disqualified and bring them before the courts promptly for, um, uh, you know, before a judge. Yeah, so so again, that, that, that's, yeah. that, the, the, the situation is improving there. But I think the surrendering, the non-surrendering of, of, of the licence or the learner permit by disqualified drivers is a problem and it needs to be sorted. But the bigger issue here is whether or not these individuals drive while disqualified. And that's where the Guardi step in. OK, and just one very final one. Uh, yesterday, it was revealed that almost 3,600 people got penalty points for driving a car without a valid NCT cert last year. Is that not unfair if people can't access an NCT appointment on time? Yeah, I, I would agree with that sentiment. But in this instance, we're talking about people who are significantly over their due date. These are people who made no attempt to uh, secure an NCT appointment. And we're talking significantly out of date here, Patricia. We're not talking about people who are waiting a couple of months to get their NCT. Uh, and, they can, get their they, and they can prove on their phone that they have an appointment. And, and they can prove yeah, it. Okay. We're talking about individuals here who are deliberately maybe using the backlog as an excuse not to do it. Okay. And we're talking about people who are months and months and months, maybe even a year or more out of date. So, yeah, look, I completely agree with, there, with, with you there on, on, on that sentiment. 
you know, through no fault of their own, people are having a, having having a challenging time getting a uh, an NCT. But what I would say to anyone who is looking for a date, if you are finding that the appointment that you're being offered on the website is 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 maybe six months ahead, uh, if you contact the um, NCT either by phone or by email or through the through the, through the website, uh, they'll put you on a priority list, and you will receive uh, an, an appointment. Uh, within a month. Yeah, uh, we've heard of yeah. so, so many yeah. of our listeners who've rang the local NCT centre and they've been great uh, to facilitate uh, people. And we've all, we also know that the Gardaí are really using their discretion if somebody gets stopped and it's out of date, but you can prove yeah. that you have a, a but, test but, for the following but, week. Yeah, and just to say, Patricia, that look, there, there is an end in sight in, 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 in this current uh, challenging uh, backlog that we have on the NCT. Uh, the, the service provider has brought in additional mechanics and uh, we are looking at uh, seeing uh, and uh, seeing improvement now after Easter, and, and we would expect to return to a normal service level by June of this year. That is unsatisfactory. We, we accept that, and, and we apologise for for any inconvenience that this has caused customers. But uh, look, we, we do have an end an end in sight to this, and uh, we are putting the additional resources, despite the fact that it has been hugely challenging trying to find uh, mechanics out there in the marketplace. They're just uh, they're just like hen's teeth yeah. at the moment ask, Patricia ask, yeah. ask any garage and they'll tell you the same yeah. thing listen yeah. have a great St Patrick's uh, weekend uh, uh, Brian and let's hope it's a safe one for all Agreed. And to you and your listeners, thank you. Patricia. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. That is uh, Brian Farrell from the Road Safety Authority. Now, more than 1,200 people under the age of 65 are living full-time in nursing homes all over the country and they can't leave, with advocacy groups saying it's like they've been held in custody due to our ongoing housing crisis. To discuss the issue in more detail, I'm joined by Michael Cahalan, who is Regional Advocate with Sage Advocacy. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome uh, to the programme. Now, why would some of these people end up in nursing homes? Is is it following an accident or is it sudden in health or is it down to a, a disability? What, what are some of the reasons? It could be a variety of reasons, really, Patricia. Um, it could be somebody being cared for by a family member at home. That family member passes away and they're brought into um, a care and then the, the easiest option is to admit them into a nursing home. It could be somebody after having an accident being admitted to an acute uh, hospital and um, their their need for care um, is in nursing home care, but then they could improve um, and um, they're just discharged to a nursing home because it's the easiest option, really. So it could be a variety of reasons. And would yeah. the majority have very high medical needs? Well, you could have a medical need after an accident, but it could deplete uh, as, as you improve. And I suppose the problem is that it's never really revisited. Uh, and sometimes people are put in to uh, nursing homes because it's the only option available to them at the, at the time. And um, it, it's never revisited. That, that really is the main problem. Um, and it's all about choice. And there doesn't seem to be um, choice available to people at the moment. Nursing homes seems to be one of the only um, choices that are available. And we need to move away from that and we need to um, develop the uh, home care support scheme that the government has been promising us for some time now. And Michael, are we talking about people as young as, say, in their 20s or 30s? 
Well, it could it could be any age, really, because it depends on the medical episode that you have. But we have a variety of people under 65 that are living in nursing homes. And because of their personal circumstances and because of their, um, um, I suppose, the accident or, or the medical procedures that they've had, they are, are currently uh, lingering in the nursing home because of the lack of community supports out there. Uh, it's difficult to get a home care package. It's difficult to get into any of the disability services. Uh, and therefore, the only option that's available to them is to remain in the nursing home. And it has implications for, for them, uh, of course, because um, they're living in very, very low incomes within the nursing home. If you're in a nursing home on a disability allowance, for example, 80% of your allowance is taken towards your fair deal and you're left with 20%. And then there's additional charges within the private nursing home sector uh, for uh, daily activities and such as, you know, if you wanted to get your hair cut or if you needed chiropathy or, or whatever, you know. And I suppose nursing homes, they are um, very good for the older sector of community and provide um, a substantial amount of care. Uh, for people, but like they're really not geared for people under the age of 65. Yeah, because I'm thinking straight away, you know, a social activity that the older residents in the nursing home would enjoy wouldn't necessarily suit, uh, uh, you know, somebody in their 30s. Not at all, no. Uh, I mean, and that's no fault of the nursing home because the majority of the people in the nursing home are over 75 and over, you know. And, um, you know, they love their game of bingo and they love to have a sing song and say the rosary. But that's not by not not. That not that is not suitable, sorry, uh, for people that are um, you know maybe in their forties or thirty five, you know that age group. Yeah. So it's and really Mike, not geared. Have you examples of how long some of these people have been living in the nursing home? Well, um, we have a variety of cases in the Cork and Kerry region where I have somebody, for example, that's there um, close to seven, going on eight years, um, who has. Um, doesn't want to be there, which is the the main point, really, uh, with the Assisted Decision-Making Capacity Act being commenced on the 26th of April. uh, We we have to look at people's rights and people's um, right to self-determine. But, like, the the problem is that there's no choice available. There's there's no money being allocated for the home uh, support scheme. Um, You know yourself trying to find a house is, is a problem at the moment. Trying to find a home help or, or somebody to support you to stay at home is also a huge uh, problem within the health sector at the moment. Because I know back in 2021, the Ombudsman issued a, a report, uh, you know, speaking about people, uh, younger people living in, in nursing homes. And he at the time said that people under the age of 65 living in nursing homes were leading wasted lives. Um, and now he wasn't, it wasn't a criticism of the nursing homes. It was just the inappropriateness of having younger people living there. Did anything change since the Ombudsman's report? Not really to be honest, and it, it, it's, um, it's not being addressed. I suppose the can is being kicked down the road. We looked at Slan to care for the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, and it's just really unfair on people that find themselves in a situation where they can't get themselves out of. And, like, I mean, if you're living in a nursing home, you can't access employment or training, for example. Some of the rehabilitation services are not available to you in some of the nursing homes. Primary care services are not available to you. You know, So you're kind of um, pigeonholed into an older uh, 
category uh, because you're living in a nursing home and it's not fair at all. And we have to move away from the medical um, framework that we're currently working on to a more social uh, framework. Uh, and it, it's just something that needs to be addressed. And uh, if somebody is admitted to a nursing home, there needs to be a follow through to see if that person has improved, if their medical or physical condition has changed. Uh, an audit of, of people under 65 needs to be taking um, place on a regular basis. And a key worker should be appointed to that person to ensure that their voice has been heard and that there is a plan in place to get them to the more suitable uh, place for them. And you are saying that that's not happening. Somebody gets put into a nursing home and it's almost like they're left. Absolutely, yeah. And for for those lucky enough to have families who would love to have them home and support them at home, the families can only do it if that community supports that home care package that, that you spoke about. They can yeah. only do it if that's put in place. Yes, and the government has committed to, a, to implement a, a home support scheme but uh, I suppose we're finding it difficult even for people of an older age group to return home because the the home care package is not easy to access in every area. Home health are not easy to come by. They have a huge uh, problem recruiting people uh, to this um, particular um, job because of, uh, I suppose, uh, the responsibility. And we need to have a joined up thinking with regard to home care packages and to home support schemes. Like you you have to be able to support the person at home when they actually are discharged from a nursing home or a hospital. And you have to, you know, have a full comprehensive um, needs assessment done and make it fit for purpose for the person. Uh, generalisation, it doesn't seem to work, more especially in rural Ireland where somebody mightn't have transportation to go and collect their pension or their disability allowance. Mm. You might have to have somebody do that for them, you know? Yeah. And there has to be an element of trust in every in every job or every uh, every employment contract that you, you put in place. And would the majority of people, Michael, that you would uh, work with who are living in these nursing homes, would the majority say... They don't want to be living there. Well, it's very difficult to say that the, the yes, I suppose the majority of people would say, but we have to be realistic as well. Some people need to be in nursing homes and they require 24-7 care. But there are a number of people in nursing homes because there is no other option available for them. Uh, and even if it's just one person, it really shouldn't be about figures. Even if it's just one person that's in a nursing home that doesn't need to be there and doesn't want to be there, that's one too many. Absolutely. Listen, we leave it there, Michael. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, good Take morning care. to bye you. Bye-bye. Michael Cahalan there, who is the Cork Regional Advocate with uh, Sage uh, Advocacy. But it really is quite shocking to think of uh, the numbers of uh, people, more than 1,200 people uh, inside in nursing homes. And it's just the, and again, it's not the criticism of the nursing homes. The nursing homes are doing their very best, but looking after older people and trying to organise, you know, social events and events to make, you know, the older people's lives more fulfilled 
doing something for people in their 70s and 80s is certainly not going to appeal to somebody in their 20s, 30s or, or 40s and that's uh, currently what is happening but the figure of 1,200 it kind of shocked me that there's that many uh, so I take it from that it's probably nearly every nursing home in the country has probably one or more under the age of uh, 65 who as the ombudsman said and that was back in 2021 these people are leading wasted uh, lives something needs to be done about it You're listening to Cork Today on Reap play. Phone and text lines are currently closed. When we mentioned parades and in particular we were talking about the Middleton Parade uh, unfortunately having to be cancelled tomorrow because as Councillor Daniela Toomey explained to us they couldn't get enough volunteers, enough people they needed 50 and I think they got less than half that. I think about 22 names had come forward to help out as volunteers so a week before the parade was due they, they made the decision just to, to pull it because they, they knew they couldn't get enough uh, volunteers for the road closures and to keep everybody safe uh, etc. And that's kind of has led to a debate this week about volunteers Volunteerism, volunteering and volunteerism and have the somebody was making the point that they reckoned the older generation were much better at volunteering and it's the younger generation coming up who are really not interested in getting as vol, involved as uh, volunteers and I, and I don't know if that's true or not but that was one person's perception of what's going on at the moment but some Grace and Domanwe has been on to make a point that I hadn't thought about and she said if people are on social welfare for example, like job seekers uh, benefit. Do you know that they need to fill out a form for permission to act as a volunteer for any organisation on a given day? Uh, Grace reckons that could be hampering some people from getting involved. And she said, I don't think many people realised that. I didn't realise that either. But I suppose when you're on job seekers benefit is one of the criteria you have to be available for work. And I suppose if you're volunteering at something on a given day, Technically, are you not available for work? Is that what they're saying? Is that why they tell you that you have to fill in a form? I wonder about that. I hadn't, I haven't heard about it uh, before, but I certainly will look into it. Grace, thank you for that. Now, I announced and I heard Barry talk about it on the news at eleven. Just for the news at eleven, the news is just breaking from RTE. They've announced that the broadcaster Ryan Tuberty is to step down from the Late Late Show at the end of this season, and it normally finishes up kind of around the beginning of the summer, isn't it? Around sort of end of May is normal. Normally, the end of this year's season. So that would be it. Um, Ryan uh, will be gone. And I was looking for people's thoughts and comments on that. And in particular, looking for suggestions as who do you think, who do you feel is out there at the moment who could replace Ryan Tuberty? Because my gut instinct would tell me that this is a flagship programme for RTE and I can't see them scrapping it. Now maybe they will, maybe they'll come back with a, a completely new talk show or maybe they'll get rid of the Friday night talk show only time will tell. But in the meantime lots of speculation and we're asking people who you would like uh, to see take over from Ryan Tuberty. Firstly it looks like Ryan Tuberty, not everybody was a fan of Ryan Tuberty. Somebody straight away says, all I can say, I'm over the moon at the news that Ryan is leaving the Late, late Show. Best day ever. <laughs> Okay, that was somebody who wasn't a fan of uh, Ryan Tuberty. Somebody else then on the other side uh, said, got it with this news. I love Ryan Tuberty and the way he does the uh, Late Late Show. Miriam O'Callaghan for the Late Late says one uh, texter. Jim says, uh, Patricia, would you think of applying for Ryan's job for the Late Late? No, I wouldn't. Jim Television doesn't uh, appeal to me in any way. But anyway, uh, Miriam says, Miriam O'Callaghan presented the show once when Ryan was off and I couldn't remember if she did or not, but I got John Paul to check it. 
and he said yes she did there was one night where Ryan was off so Miriam stepped in and I also remember the late great Jerry Ryan he stepped in kind of at a moment's notice as well for Pat Kenny at the time was hosting the Late Late and it was Pat Kenny's mother if my memory serves me right uh, died so obviously he wasn't available to do the show that week so right um Jerry Ryan stepped in and, and did it once. But we've only had Gay Byrne, Pat Kenny and Ryan Tuberty. So it's always been males. People are wondering, will it be a female now instead? And I think that's why a number of people are suggesting Miriam O'Callaghan for the slot. Someone, Joe and Kamalik reckon Stahi O'Shea would be ideal for the Late Late Show and he certainly would have the skill set. And listen, while we're throwing and bandying names about, I'm wondering, will they, because it's always been male, will they decide to maybe look at who's out there and in the female circle of people that could do it, I would suggest somebody like Elaine Crowley of Virgin Media, formerly of this parish, may we say. I think Elaine would be absolutely brilliant at it because she has the skill set, as John Paul was saying in the office. You know, in order to do it, you need to be able to do the serious interviews, but you need to be able to switch them straight away to do the lighthearted interviews. And then you need to be involved in the madness that is, for example, the toy show or the the Valentine's Day special that they do uh, as well. So I, I think Arlene Crowley, I think she would be great. So I'm, that's my top and safe new worth. Mary says, I will miss uh, Ryan Tuberty. I felt he was great fun. He bought a light-hearted side to the show compared to the two others that ho- hosted. I think Gay Byrne was great, the late great the late great Gay Byrne. I think he was great at doing the light-hearted stuff as well. I think Pat Kenny struggled a bit with the light-hearted stuff. He was brilliant at the more serious stuff. But I don't know if he was able to get that uh, mix. 0818 Now we spoke about learner drivers at the top of the programme uh, this morning and in particular we were talking about the number of learner drivers 6,000 in total unaccompanied learner drivers who picked up penalty points uh, last year for driving without a qualified driver with them and that's now led to people talking about learner drivers William Inascara said I would love to know the percentage of accidents caused by learner drivers as all learner drivers are punished especially those that live in rural areas Stephen said listening to your expert our expert was Brian Farrell of the Road Safety Authority who seems to know everything about road safety well he is with the Road Safety uh, Authority I was uh, thinking um, could could he t- could could you tell us the ratio as regards learner drivers being involved in accidents and qu- versus qualified drivers being involved in accidents and you'd have to go I'm assuming under freedom of information to try to get all the stats the only set of stats Stephen that I was able to fi- find date back to 2018 so I don't know if they'd still be as applicable today or not and that was to do it was to do with learner drivers it was to do with the time that the road traffic bill that was coming in that was amended that would see car owners who allowed an unaccompanied learner driver to use their vehicle to face um, prosecution and it was it was at that time back in 2018 so it was prime time at they did a kind of a deep dive into stats that had been released on learner drivers and they found that while 9% of drivers on the road are learner drivers only 5.8% of all fatal crashes involved uh, learner uh, drivers. Now, Moya, uh, 
Moya Murdoch at the time was the chief executive of the RSA and she said the number of learners involved in fatal crashes, crashes, she said it was unacceptable. She said in 2018 on average 12 learners are involved in fatal crashes every year and 10 of them are unaccompanied and that compares she said very unfavourably with our near neighbours in the north where in 2016 they reported no learner or unaccompanied driver involved in a fatal crash. And Actually if you talk to anybody in the United Kingdom uh, they they would be really surprised to hear of any learner driver even attempting to get behind the wheel of a car without a fully qualified driver. It's just not something they've ever done. I suppose the argument is though in this country we always turned a blind eye to it. It was only when the new rules and regulations came in with how learner drivers learned to drive and also when that road safety bill, that road traffic uh, bill uh, it was dubbed of course the Clancy Amendment at the time. It was only when that was brought in and suddenly unaccompanied learner drivers drivers, if mum or dad allowed them to drive the car they could face uh, prosecution. That's when a huge, huge focus went on unaccompanied learner drivers. So it's just fatal road accidents but I don't, because I, I know both Stephen and William in Ascara are looking for the percentage of all accidents. I unfortunately don't have access uh, to that. I will, if I can if I can get my hands on it uh, I certainly will. 0818 uh, 103 103. Just want to give a quick mention to funerals in Cork and Ross because this is something I know that's upset a number of people in West Cork and this was the tradition of having the removal the night before and you know people going into the church the night before and of course that has all been changed particularly because of uh, Covid times. Well Bishop Fintan Gavin has come out to say the last of the Covid restrictions are being lifted in parishes across Cork and uh, Ross but the the one for funerals is going to remain in place which isn't going to make everybody happy but seemingly Bishop Fintan Gavin has now sent messages, messages out to all of the parishes advising them on the lifting of restrictions including the wearing of face masks while distributing communion that's now gone also the taking up of the offertory and the collections people don't have to wear face masks for that uh, also there's now going to be the option of receiving the communion host on the tongue if that's preferred Bishop Gavin has told all of the parishes that the church notices and the stickers in relation to social distancing and the wearing of face covers all of those are to be removed from church uh, seats and he said as we continue to live with COVID we have to find new ways of rebuilding our communities therefore he said it's important that all the ministries such as the ministry of the word the ministers of the Eucharist the choirs the altar service are restored and refreshed and he's hoped that the removal of these last few remaining restrictions will enable everyone to celebrate uh, again and to welcome faith uh, communities. But then spokesperson for the diocese, Father Tom Hayes, says the lifting of the restrictions will not impact on funeral policy, which still asks that people do not have a public removal to the church on the night before burial. They say the diocesan protocol around funerals changed to basically put the focus of the church back on the prayers. They're not saying it necessarily happened because of COVID. Father Hayes says the diocese is continuing to ask people not to use the church as a sympathising venue and to keep it as a place of worship. He says the church had become like a funeral parlour and people were saying we need to recover the fact that the church is really the place of worship and it's the funeral parlour or it's the home of the deceased person. That is the place where where the public should do their sympathising. He also said it doesn't mean that people can't overnight in the church. The difference is 
that it isn't a public arrival into the church, which then often and has been accompanied by people queuing up to walk up and sympathise with the family. He says, while there is room for flexibility, the central emphasis on the diocese policy is to not to use the church as a sympathising venue. Because when this was first introduced, certainly we would have heard from people who were talking about maybe elderly parents or grandparents who were quite upset about the idea that when they passed away, that they wouldn't be able to spend their final night at final a night in the church before their funeral or before their cremation that upset uh, some older people so what Father Tom Hayes is saying that can still happen but it will happen quietly and privately where obviously the undertaker will remove the remains to the church um, and, and it's done without people going along to an official removal the way we had it in the past so that remains in place but everything else for the Diocese of Cork and Ross the need to wear uh, face masks when distributing communion for people who might like to get communion back on the tongue that is back in as well. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your call. C103 Jobs. Let's start with ward personnel. They have vacancies for all types of carpenters and experienced ground workers. CVs please to jobs at wardpersonnel.com. The Donkey Sanctuary in Liscarroll has a vacancy for a visitor experience assistant. That's a part-time permanent role, 21 hours per week. More details, contact thedonkeysanctuary.org.uk. Part-time sales assistant is required for Mabel's Fashion Boutique. That's in Bandham. Call Mabel on 87 or you can drop your CV into the store in uh, Bandham. And an Arctic truck driver is required, full required, full or part-time for work in Kinsale, 87 You'll find all the details and many more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. On the eve of our national holiday, when we focus on all things Irish, it is disappointing to hear that a guard sergeant has not been recruited to the Gwelthacht village of Ballyvorney because no Irish speaker has been available to fill the post. Local Fianna Fáil deputy Andreas Mornion joins me uh, to discuss this problem. Good morning to you, Andreas. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're very welcome. For how long has this position been vacant? Oh, goodness, it's it's been going several years now before COVID. It was actually 2019 when the Sergeant Khan had retired from it. So it's it's over three years. It's nearly, nearly four. And, like, the post has been vacant. And, you know, people feel like it's it's almost like a downgrading uh, because of the post not being filled. And... They, they did advertise the guard, they did advertise a number of times and they didn't get applications on it. And they're saying they're, they're keen to, to make an appointment. So, like, really, I wanted to, to put the push on to get to understand what is delay and what is the process involved in making such appointments because we really feel that they should be able to, to appoint. And, like, they have always, um, in fairness to them, made sure that every Garda that they've appointed to Ballingary and Balavorna, they're always Gael and there's a great service being provided 
um, through the Gardaí locally at scaling. And is that standard across all um, Garda stations that are based in Gaeltacht areas that, uh, that, that, that there's always Irish speakers there? Uh, that, that's what you would be expecting across the country. In fact, we have to give credit to the Gardaí locally. They have uh, locally been much stronger than other parts of the country uh, and that we have been fortunate enough to get Gardaí, people at the Garda rank, uh, appointed locally to the likes of Ballingary and Balavorna. Uh, I know there have been appointments in different stations across the country. There's a particular issue had uh, come up a number of times uh, with Donegal, for example. And in, in response to those difficulties, we even had the Garda Commissioner in at the Irish Language Committee uh, about two years ago questioning him on how is he going to catch up and deal with this because people should be able to expect to get a service uh, locally. And in fairness, he was saying yes, he understood there was a problem that he was going to take charge of the committee that was dealing with it himself. And we were expecting, like, if the Garda Commissioner is saying this, and there's the goodwill seems to be there. Why would What's there be wrong? an ongoing delay yeah. on filling the post? And as far as you know, Andreas, there's never been a problem before. I'm not aware that would have t- uh, been problematic before. Now that they were able to fill previously, uh, we would or Gardaí or Gaelgory Leifa or sergeants before that had been. There is a, there is definitely a shortage of Gardaí uh, with Irish a- across the country. And that was where we were focusing the Garda Commissioner's attention on getting those numbers up uh, and getting people in the service. And uh, remember now, this isn't just the Gaeltacht thing because you want to be able to serve Gaelgory right across the country. Uh, the largest population of Irish speakers is in Dublin. Uh, and is it's, it? It is, yes. And uh, it's, it's not uncommon to have large populations of Irish speakers throughout the throughout different parts of the country. Yeah, yeah. And do you need a proficiency in Irish when applying to Angara this year, Corner? You, you, you would, yes. And like they would have been doing it as part of their their training as well. Okay. And it's it's then for to get uh, to get the follow through and to to get people to apply for posts such as as in Balavorn and Ballingary. Yeah, and I mean, you you would think with you know there's so many fantastic uh, Gael scholars now, and it's just wonderful, you know, to hear um, young people who are you know being totally educated through the Irish language, and they have a, such a proficiency uh, of the language. It, it it surprises me that there isn't more people coming forward who are fluent in in Irish. That's right. Uh, it, there are so many more. Irish speakers right across the country. Um, an unusual aspect to it as well seems to be that people who are comfortable and Gael Gory Leifa, that they don't necessarily apply for the Irish stream, that they apply for the the ordinary stream um, and for, for whatever reason. So that it means that there are possibly more Irish speakers within the ranks of the Gardaí than apply for the, for the different schemes. Mm. Yeah, and of course, outside of appointing a Garda who, who is uh, an Irish language speaker, there's an ongoing issue, isn't there, that there's a number of Garda vacancies right across the county and I'm, I'm assuming right across the country. Yes, well, we, we were specifically focused on sergeant posts um, okay. on Monday because, and there are a number of, of sergeant posts vacant, such as in Coachford and in Balavorn and a number of places around the county. And like I was focusing them in on it that why aren't they promoting or what's happening because 
we would have seen a number of appointments being approved last year for at both sergeant and inspector rate and uh, when, when you look at these other posts then why are you choosing one over the other when the commissioner says you should be promoting uh, or de- dealing with the Irish vacancies and the, the chief super was pointing out that while we would normally associate a sergeant with a geographical area like Coachford or Balavorna that he sees it now with the new model with one sergeant per six Gardaí and that that he would be making different appointments that they wouldn't be pinned down geographically. Mm-hmm. Well, we would still, and he was he was optimistic that he would be able to advertise the post for the Bolivarna sergeant in the summer, uh, in May, with a view to having an appointment later in the in the summer. He was saying, but look, we we'd be keen to see that that happen. It's um, It feels like a downgrading when it has gone on and I you know. see other posts and are I, being filled. And particularly, as you say, since 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 um, uh, 2019. But I know, uh, you know, overall, there is more recruitment going on within Angarda uh, Shikona in Templemore. There's more Gardaí being recruited all the time, isn't there? There are, yes. They're, they're, uh, they, they, they were doing a campaign again in recent years and there was a lot of focus on diversity you'll have heard of with that campaign. Uh, for to increase Garda numbers and to make sure that Garda, uh, the Garda presence across uh, all communities. Um, and the, in addition to the increase in Garda in recruitment, the new policing model that's to be introduced in Cork County, now it's already running in many other parts of the, the country. The if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. But he was telling us on Monday that the new policing model should free up for frontline services uh, more Gardaí that are already in the service. Okay. Now, it's yeah. already been done in the city. Yeah. The city, Cork City piloted it and Cork County now is one of the, the last in the country and he was, he was optimistic that there would be 
Border Gardaí freed up on that. We need that uh, because there are people retiring from the service. They have a, an age limit that they, that they can't go beyond. And there is a need for people. People want to see that there is a guard locally and that there is a, a comfort mm. and a, a security with that as well. As the yeah, and, that and, doing. and of course the guard, the division for North Cork and West Cork, they're amalgamating into one. Yes, that's in, part in, of in this May. new model. Yeah, that uh, it will be all one Cork County service with the headquarters based. It's proposed to be in McCroom, where yeah. there's plans for the the new guard the station there by the fire station. Okay, and just while I have you on, I saw in I think it was in the Corkman newspaper uh, today actually you're quoted because of course you're a spokesperson on the national drugs uh, strategy. This decision by the social media platform TikTok not to sanction an account which is promoting the sale of drugs such as cocaine and cannabis yeah. in towns in Cork. What this is openly propo- promoting the sale of drugs. It's hard to imagine that they that they wouldn't sanction on it. It really is bizarre that that something that we know to be illegal, um, like they would often be very quick to to clamp down on on different uh, different posts and and rightly so. But here is a, an obvious one, and um, they in in their defence they say that it doesn't appear to violate their standards. I I don't understand how that would be when it it would clearly that that those people are setting out for to sell illegal drugs on it. And is there anything from a government, is there anything the national drug strategy can do? Is there anything the government can do? I know that the issue has been raised directly with Twitter and with the Gardaí for to, for to see if that can force their hand on it. Because I think really, um, if they are facilitating uh, the sale of drugs, then definitely that their, their arms should be twisted by, from the, from the Gardaí point of view on it. And uh, obviously, we're not going to identify the account. Have you seen the account? It 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 seemingly promises the delivery of illegal drugs to towns in Cork and 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 around the country. It's not just Cork. I've seen different images or graphics on it. Yeah. Uh, because I'm not on TikTok myself. I uh, I know it's and um, it's on Twitter as well. I understand, but um, it, I haven't seen the account myself. It's more the images that have been uh, promised that have been, I've seen. Seems bizarre. It just seems bizarre that that Twitter can come out and say this doesn't violate our safety policies. It just seems crazy. Yeah, I think they need to be more responsible and uh, to be able to move on what appear to be fairly clear issues like that and that it has been pointed out to them and they should be, I feel, correcting that. Okay. All right, uh, Andreas, how will you be celebrating St. Patrick's Day tomorrow? Are you attending any parades? I'm keen to get to a number of parades, all right, yeah. Oh, yeah. you bet. Like, there's okay. so much background work goes into to putting them on and such colour and such variety for definite, yes. Okay, all right. And that's where we're encouraging everybody to go out and support them because people put a lot of time and, and effort into it. Yeah. Listen, Andreas, thank you for that and thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks. Good morning to you. Uh, you too. Bye-bye. That is uh, Deputy Andreas Moynihan, 0818-103-103. Somebody says, hi, Patricia, is the post tomorrow? No, tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day, so there won't be post. Actually, for anybody, because tomorrow is Friday, anybody due to collect pensions on a Friday, you can, of course, collect it today because the post offices won't be open uh, tomorrow e- either. So anyone who collects a social welfare payment at the post office, and I know in the main, a lot of old age pensioners pick up their pension on a Friday, you can go 
go to the post office today. Of course, you can always email the programme, Cork Today at c103.ie. Let me go to Bandon Guard, the station uh, for this week's Guard the Fire, where I'm joined by Sergeant Morgan O'Sullivan. Uh, good morning to you, Morgan. Good morning. And, and you're very welcome. Now, you want to start with help from some of our listeners, please. And this is to do with the theft of farm animals. And it was in the Ballydehob area. That's correct, Patricia. Um, so the Guardian Bantry are investigating this incident, uh, which took place um, in the Ardown area between Ballydehob and Seabreen um, on the night of Friday, the 3rd of March, into Saturday, the 4th of March last. Now, um, it's believed the theft occurred between 12 midnight and 6 a.m. in the morning. And in this case, there was three Frisian calves were stolen from a pin in a shed on this farm. You know, the calves at the time were between two and six weeks old. Um, so we would expect that the culprits spent some time in the area and obviously would have had transport. So if anyone had observed any activity, I suppose, on the night of the 3rd of March or into the early hours of the 4th of March in the Adown area, or indeed the general Skibreen Valley Hub area, um, we would ask them to contact the Guardian Bantry. Yeah, because it would be unusual to see animals being transported in the middle of the night like that, that somebody may, it might trigger somebody's memory. It wouldn't be, and you would have other farmers, maybe no farmers who were up, and tending animals might have noticed something. And it's an unfortunate incident we've hired in the past on your show as well, so it continues, unfortunately. OK, let's go to uh, Bally Makoda, where there was a burglary. Uh, that's correct. Um, so this incident took place in the Gort Corcoran area of Ballymacoda. Um, and in this case, a door of a house was forced open. Um, the house was entered and a chainsaw was removed from the house. Um, now, this incident, like the last incident, took place on the 3rd of March. And we believe the time was in question between 12 p.m. and 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon of Friday the 3rd. So the chainsaw taken during the course of the burglary was orange in colour. And the investment guardie are appealing to anyone who might have been in the Gorkrocken area of Ballymacoda on Friday the 3rd of March who might have known anything or any transport in the area to contact them at Killa or Yall Garda Station. Or indeed if they had any information in relation to uh, the stolen property, which in this case was an orange chainsaw. Okay. Now you want to return, Morgan, to a subject that we did discuss on uh, the Guard the Fund a number of weeks ago, and this is the subject of sex torsion. Uh, I suppose, first of all, explain to people what it is. Yeah, that's scripture. I suppose in recent weeks, um, on Garda Connor have been raising awareness of sex torsion and related offences. So, I suppose sex torsion would be described as a form of cyber extortion, which involves a threat or blackmail of having intimate images or information, or tips shared without consent. Um, and in many cases, this is purely um, for financial gain. Um, I suppose this can result of online, as a result of online activity, you know, sharing intimate images with another person online, either strangers or people known to you, or indeed sharing images on messaging apps. Um, but that's how you know, it occurs. Um, and there is, there is um, hotline.ie, um, are responsible for com- combating illegal content online here and they report a 93% successful removal rate uh, in relation to referrals made to them. Um, so that's separate for the Gardaí, but it, in relation to ourselves, like, um, Gardaí across all the cost divisions are dealing with and helping people who find themselves victims of these crimes. And that's what they are. You are a victim of crime if you find yourself in this situation. And, and it's highly likely that there are other victims unknown to us who are experiencing this as well. And we want to let people know that we are there to help them and support them. 
You know, and we're fully committed to, to supporting the victims of these crimes and to deal with them confidentially. If they have been affected by sextortion, um, and people can, can contact them in person or any guard station. And as we are aware, they get to, you know, maybe a new form of crime that wouldn't be as present in the past. Um, but the numbers in these cases are rising. Do you think it's on? Do you think more. it's on the increase, Morgan? Um, what I think is the reporting has definitely increased. But what there is legislation um, to deal with now, maybe people are more confident. Yeah. Um, of um, reporting this, you know, the harassment, harm, harmful communications, and later since Act 2020, which is a recent piece of legislation, is there to help us deal with these situations. Um, and in some cases, I, I, I am aware personally that. For people and sometimes young people find them present in this situation, thanks to get turned to parents or friends and they have come to us, they have looked for help from mm. the family home before they come to us. And so it's just very important for people to know that there is help there. And if they find present in this situation, they're not alone. And it can be challenging. But we, you know, we find out that we're dealing with these cases obviously more in the last couple of years. But we have people who are more familiar with dealing with um, and are used to supporting people who are in this situation. Yeah, because I, I think what happens, because certainly over the last number of years, we'd have been contacted every now and again uh, by a listener who was, you know, we had revenge porn or somebody had images uh, of them and, and, you know, they were either threatening to distribute them or they had sent them on on a social media platform or had shared them on. And we would always encourage them, you know, off air to say, look, you really need to talk to your local Gardaí. And the sense I always got, people get very embarrassed by this. Um, and there, and that I think leads to some of the underreporting. Yes, and that's only natural. Um, you know, we appreciate how people can feel in that position. Um, but we would encourage them to report to us, and that we are used to dealing with people in similar situations. And they are a victim of a crime yeah. here in that situation. So you know, we're here to support them, and we do acknowledge that it can people can find themselves in an embarrassing situation. For us, we're dealing with a victim of crime and they'll be treated accordingly. Yeah, you've done nothing wrong. It's the par- it's the person who's sharing those are threatening to share uh, your intimate photographs. They, they are they are the people who are wrong. OK, we are uh, on the eve of uh, St. Patrick's Day. It's going to be a very busy uh, three days. Uh, road safety, top priority, Morgan, for everybody at Angarda Shikona. Absolutely. I know you've touched on it this morning. You're certainly your own programme. But I suppose, look, um, Gary, make your listeners. We want everyone to have an enjoyable and see it, thank all the weekend. And it's, we just ask people to be mindful um, of other people when they go about their business over the weekend. And so in particular, the Gardaí will have a significant presence on our road network across the weekend to help people safely, you know, complete their journeys. Um, and so the, un- unfortunately, 11 people have died on Irish roads during the past weekend over the past five years. Um, so that we would just ask people to be conscious of their behaviours while driving, um, in relation to not speeding, not to drive under the influence of drugs or drink. Um, and again, for you know, um, drivers who allow us to be accompanied at all times, look what you have covered in great detail today in your show. Um, so that we would expect large numbers of people, young and old, to be moving across the weekend. So I suppose expect longer travel times due to local events taking place and to cooperate with any guardian officials while attending the event. Yeah, I think that's the real important one, is for people to have a little bit of patience, particularly tomorrow. All of the various parades are, are going to be on. And of course, for those parades to go ahead, there has to be a level of road closures. Yeah, absolutely. And it just on that issue, just um, my colleagues in McCroom just have asked me to make your listeners in that area aware that um, the 
the town centre will be closed until 15 to 5 p.m. in the McCroom with local diversions in place. And likewise, my colleague in Kinsale, in few lists from that area, there will be traffic, traffic restrictions in place in the town centre between 3 and 4 p.m. tomorrow. You know, and there will be local diversions there. And again, that's a small period of time, there is yeah. diversions. But just allow yourself that extra bit of time if you're travelling somewhere. Yeah, and I think no matter where you're going, if you know if you know that there's going to be a parade in that particular area and you need to go through that area, then either do it before you know half two, two o'clock, because the majority of the parades are in the afternoon and just. But if you do get held up, just a little bit of patience. That's that's all that's required, isn't it, uh, Morgan? Absolutely. And when just the nature of these parades, I want to attract people, especially not our young people. But we're again, we're just mindful of the people. We're out and about and we're all minding each other, basically. Okay, listen, uh, we leave it there. Uh, Thank you for that, um, Morgan. And uh, we'll talk again and have a a happy and a safe St. Patrick's Day. Thanks a million. That is uh, Sergeant Morgan O'Sullivan, who is out of Bandon at Garda Station. 0818 103 103. I saw somebody sending on a pet question. No pet questions today, please, because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, is uh, taking some time off and having a celebration for St. Patrick's uh, weekend. So she's not with us today. But what we will be talking about in the next hour is a certain rugby match that is happening on uh, Saturday. Your thoughts uh, welcomed on that. Lots of uh, thoughts still coming in about the Late Late Show and with the news that we uh, heard about this morning that Ryan Tupperty has announced that this will be his, this season of the Late Late Show will be his last Late Late. So he'll be finishing up with the summer run probably around May. And now obviously the big question is who is going to take over? Tony says on the Late Late Show, is this not, not now not time to reform it? There are enough current affairs programmes, a local a, a local version of shows like the Jonathan Ross or the Graeme Norton show would fit the bill and change the name uh, completely. So go with more of your celebrity interviews and leave any of the kind of the hard interviews and the more serious interviews and the current affairs stuff, drop that completely and really make it an entertainment one with just celebrities. Uh, Tony, I take it that's what you're thinking of. Uh, Tony, um, thank you for that. Uh, Tom in Churchtown is suggesting Sarah McInerney. Now, yeah, Sarah McInerney uh, would be would be a good suggestion as well. Uh, this is uh, hi, Patricia. What about Sinead Kennedy? I think she would be the best for the late late. And that's from Bernie in Ballinadee. Another good suggestion with uh, Sinead uh, Kennedy. And you see, we don't know until RT announces, are they going to stay with the male or will they instead decide to go with uh, females and a lot of people seem to me to be suggesting that they should go with females rather than males because somebody has said Jerry Ryan's uh, daughter Lottie Ryan would be really good for the late late she's she is a very talented uh, journalist I'm still getting in calls and texts though saying Dahi O'Shea for the late late and one final one from Michael says Patricia don't rule out Claire Byrne as a Late Late Show host uh, replacement. I did think of, she was probably the first name that sprang to mind for me was Claire Byrne. But I don't know, Claire made the decision to step down from the television work and just focus on the radio work. And that's because of family commitments. So I don't know 
would she go back again and look at that? It's a huge, huge uh, commitment, particularly bearing in mind that she does a five day a week radio uh, show, as indeed all of the former presenters uh, have done. But she's got a young family, so I don't know. But maybe, listen, the, the Late Late Show is one of those sort of legends of shows that a lot of presenters would always sort of kill for to say that that's their dream to one day present it. So we won't rule her out. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Your commentary coming in on different issues that we've been discussing today. Earlier I spoke with uh, Deputy Andreas Moynihan who was bemoaning the fact that they can't get a sergeant for the station in Ballyvorney because they can't find somebody who is proficient in the Irish language even though a guy that she have advertised the post but nobody has come forward that is a fluent Irish speaker that would be able to be based uh, and become the sergeant in uh, Ballyvorney. Well that's prompted a Killarney listener to say Patricia, I've often dined in Ballyvorney and Ballymakira and honestly, I've never heard anyone speak Irish there. Likewise, I've only ever heard one person in the town of Dingle speaking Irish during my many, many visits there. I'm not saying people in Ballyvorney, Ballymakira or Dingle don't speak Irish, but I just never hear anybody speaking in it. I myself can speak it, but I don't, said a Killarney listener. Well, to me, isn't that the problem? You're obviously very proficient and well able to speak Irish maybe the next time you go to Ballyvorney or Ballymakira to dine out or if you're in Dingle or anywhere else where you know that there will be a number of native uh, Irish speakers try speaking St- you know start speaking in Irish and you'll be you'll be surprised at how many people then will answer you back in Irish and that could be the problem the fact the very fact that you say you can speak it I'd be using the language it's one of my greatest regrets that I left school without a proficiency in the uh, language thank you for your text on the driving test and the amount of learner drivers driving unaccompanied 6,000 of them picking up penalty points last year Sarah says I really feel the driving test is severely lacking a, a lot of basic driving knowledge both in its test and in the training that you must go to in order to go through in order to take your test the whole testing and training process needs a complete revamp says Sarah and it was revamped another a number of years ago I know it's, it's certainly much more different how you learn to drive now from when I learned to drive and you have to do the 12 lessons and, and all of that. So there, there has been a lot of work put into it. But Sarah obviously recently learned to drive and she thinks the whole system needs another revamp. And someone else who recently was taking a driving test uh, wonders how often are the testers themselves tested? I feel this should, this should happen every two years because when I did my test, says this texter, I failed because the tester said I came out onto the Cork Road I'm assuming this is Cork Road in Mallow into the wrong lane but I was in the correct lane at the end then when he failed me he said oh apply again you'll pass the next time <laughs> yeah and hopefully you did you don't say in your text if you did or you didn't 0818103103 still getting in so much commentary about the news that Ryan Tuberty is to step down as the host of the Late Late uh, Show RTE by the way have come out and said they haven't yet made any decision regarding the next presenter of the uh, Late Late and they say a statement on that announcement will be made later in the summer. So we assume from that very statement that it is going to stay 
way it is going to go ahead because we've had some of our listeners who don't like it uh, at all. Somebody says, Patricia, it's time to scrap the Late Late Show. It's running now with over 60 years. Like everything, it is time for a change. Uh, Mick says they should give the Late Late to their friend Mary Lou. She's running the station at present. Ooh, says uh, Mick. Dan says, just heard you talking about the Late Late. Please don't leave us. We'll hold a car boot sale for you to make up the money instead. You don't have to worry, Dan. There'll be no offers coming and I won't be offering either. Someone else says, Scrap the Late Late Show is rubbish and they always pay the host too much money to present. Marty Whelan is Greta's choice. He can be serious and he can also be light-hearted. While Niall in Glanmire says, maybe get two presenters, one male, one female, go for a complete revamp of the show. John in Cove says, he is, this is on Mind Tuberty, leaving. He is only a number and he will leave with a lot of money in his back pocket. In John in Cove's opinion, he's far from a star. John feels Bertie Hearn would be John and Cove's choice to present the Late Late Show. How would people feel about Bertie Hearn presenting it? Uh, John O'Donovan is in the city. Good afternoon to you, John. Afternoon, Patricia. Now, firstly, are you disappointed to hear Ryan Tuberty is moving on? Is it a good decision, bad decision, do you think? Um, well, I won't be crying after him. Let's put it that way, right? I never rated him as a presenter of the Late Late Show. I know everyone is being compared to Gabe Borden now because that's when I got involved in Late Late Show. That's why I got my interest in talk shows and politics and whatever, right? The great discussions that were the abortion, the north of Ireland, same-sex marriage. I mean, every great discussion and, and panel discussion was on the Late Late Show with Gabe Borden. Then Pat Kenny took her over. I know people used to call him the plank and everything, which which I thought was a bit unfair, actually. I thought he'd done a good job in late age. So I think the, the best person that didn't that only got to present it one night when Pat Kenny's mother died was Jerry Ryan. And I think I think he would have been a great asset to it. He because there was a, a bit of mischief about Jerry. He could do the serious stuff, but he'd also be very light hearted and I think he would have brought a bit of kind of a uh, as I said, mischief to the table. Mm. But I mean, uh, this idea you know, of going in with a net and kind of trawling the, the RT canteen to see who's available, I'm not for that, right? Yeah. All the people out there know that probably will, their names are already household names. They've been involved in other shows, like, so that's nothing new to me. Then what I would do, I would, there's some fantastic talent. I mean, you have your corpus into there, John Paul McNamara, and yourself do a brilliant job. You're as good as anyone in RT, right? I mean, someone like John Paul, if he wanted to throw his hat into the ring, what I would do, I would open it up to the public, right? And I would, we'll say, uh, have the auditions, which yeah. pick six people, right? And then present, let, let them present the Late Late Show, we say, for six, five to six weeks, and let the public decide. And, and then after that, if, there's a, a, if somebody, male or female, comes out on top, brand new talent, never been on before, busting to, to, to get onto the scene, right? Let the public vote in, and whoever wins that, give them a twelve-month contract, and and then see how the ratings go. But so, I so, so almost have like an X Factor style program. And yeah, let, let, yeah, let's be honest. It's the it's the it's, it's the, the licensed payers. I mean, are paying uh, Ryan Tuberty's wages anyway, and the people in RT. So I think the people should have a say in this iconic show. I know that's the way I would do it, rather than going into the canteen to say, "Are you available? Are you available? Are you available?" Yeah, like and in fairness, big... most of the names that people are putting forward are exactly what you said. Someone has looked into the RT canteen. Actually, one name that surprises me that wasn't uh, put forward is Tommy Tiernan. 
Yeah, well, there would be a bit of a scamp fear there, no? Like, I mean, he'd, he'd definitely start things up like, but I don't think he should have an automatic right like to get it. As I said, there's some fantastic young talent out there. Boston, they get in. The, the new names that down the road we'll be familiar with in over the years, Patricia, right? But how are they ever going to get a staff? As I said, if the same faces be yeah. uh, kept putting forward all the time again and again and again, yeah, and, and, get, and that's what they always—that's what they always seem to do. I mean, somebody, somebody's saying Claire Byrne, but Claire Byrne stepped down from TV did, uh, for yeah, commitment yeah. to her family, so I can't see her. And going, another going thing, I—I—I I, I, I don't agree with with people saying. I mean that. They should kind of make it more light-hearted. I mean, what made it they should make the iconicness of it was that we had the great discussions, as I've just mentioned. But mm. you, you also had the light-hearted stuff and the silliness. Like, if I want to see complete silliness, I'll tune into Graham Norton because I know that's what I'm getting. He doesn't do the serious stuff. He just has banter with the guests. Jonathan yeah. Ross is the same. You're not going to get real in-depth, serious conversations. You're going to get tomfoolery and a bit of crack. But Whereas I mean, the I late latest, but has managed to mix both. I mean, you they have it has, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would want that's yeah. the format I would keep anyway. I would, I would keep the late half the stuff right, but I would also have the good discussions on it and uh, get somebody that will put them under pressure because yeah. that's the one thing I didn't like about Brian Tobbley. I think when he had his chance there with uh, politicians on the show from both opposition and government parties, I thought he didn't really ask the hard questions. He didn't really push it, you know. Yeah, and actually, when you're talking about the old uh, late lates and the stuff that the you know the iconic stuff that Gay Byrne did, yeah, will you and and like some people won't remember this, but you might remember. It. Will you ever rem- do you ever remember the night that he showed how to put a um, a condom onto a banana? That's right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was a couple there who were absolutely horrified uh, with it. I mean, to think yeah. about it now, it's almost laughable. Uh, but uh, it was... another, another one which you would probably remember, the Bishop's Nighty. You see, I, see I, don't, I don't remember that, but I do remember Googling <laughs> it because it came up, uh, it came up <laughs> on the programme a number of years ago. I mean, he got, he got preached off the pulpit for that. What is it? Just because a lady said that she didn't wear it, he said, what, what colour nighty did you wear? And she said, on I didn't our, wear any. On, on our, our wedding night. night. Yeah, on our on wedding, our wedding night. night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, but that was an era where the church was very involved as well in, in well, the Well, I don't know, I like people like weren't as openly talking about sex and yeah. stuff like him and yeah. they were a bit shy and everything. Okay, but it's, it's an opportunity for a shake-up. Well, definitely, and I think, look, there's, there's buckets of new talent out there, as I said, the John Pauls of this world. I mean, and both male and female. Jay, and, John uh, Paul's shaking his head, I can tell you now, but he'd be great. <laughs> he'd be great. The only thing is, I don't want to lose him. Sorry, well, there you are. They'd have to fight <laughs> me for him, for sure. <laughs> All right, listen, John, have a, have a great weekend. Will you, be heading, yeah, you will you be heading to the parade in the city tomorrow? No, I'm going for a walk on the beach. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to leave I'm going to leave it on that enjoy your walk on the beach okay. thanks a million uh, bye bye that is uh, the wonderful John O'Donovan in uh, the city 0818 uh, 103 103 and he's suggesting go outside the RTE box look completely away don't be going into the RTE canteen trawling the net people are still saying we should be going into RTE uh, Dahi O'Shea again a great asset to the late late people are, someone is saying hi Patricia what about Marty Morrissey for the late late He'd be a breath of fresh air, a true and experienced uh, professional. He certainly 
would be well uh, able for it. That is uh, for sure. 0818 103 103. Uh, John Paul, sitting firmly in our seat, is taking your calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Kildallery Community Development are holding their weekly lotto draw. It'll be in the community office this afternoon, 4 o'clock. Jackpot, €7,700. Mallow Daffodil Day Committee, they're looking for volunteers for their annual Flag Day collection. Now, Daffodil Day is tomorrow week, Friday the 24th of March. Anyone with an hour, please, to spare. Can you enter your name on the roster suite sheet in McSweeney's Footwear Main Street in Mallow? Also, the committee looking for fresh daffodils which could be handed in to Lucy's Christmas shop the day before Thursday the 23rd between 3 and 5 in the afternoon. And Coloblast Ireland, they're holding a free stoma review clinic. It's in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry next Thursday. For information or if you'd like to book a free appointment with the Coloblast nurse, please call Dublin 01-9190-1900. And the annual Irish Coffee Coffee and Tea Morning will be held tomorrow morning in Horkins Lounge on High Street in the market. It starts at 11. This year's proceeds are going to the upkeep of the town park and local uh, charities and a couple of parades to give a quick mention to Skull St Patrick's Day Parade tomorrow half past two floats please to be organised at the Garda Barracks from 1.45 the Canturk St Patrick's Day Parade half to start on the New Link Road near the new school and in Kale Kill, there's St Patrick's Day Parade, three o'clock in the afternoon, with an array of floats, vintage vehicles, and local schools and sports clubs. Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. Now, Ireland's coach Andy Farrell has said during the week that he's expecting a very different England to turn up at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday to the one that suffered humiliation at the hands of France last weekend. So to discuss Ireland's Six Nations Grand Slam bid this weekend, I'm joined by Neil O'Reardon who is the chief sports writer with the Irish Sun. Good afternoon to you, Neil. Good afternoon, Patricia. You're very welcome to the programme. Would you agree with Andy Farrell that the English team will be a very different one this weekend? I think it's natural to expect a reaction uh, from a team which is just tougher to defeat um, at the nature that England did, which was a record home defeat. But, you know, there's a difference between sparking reaction and better performance and that performance being sufficient to beat Ireland. And... I think where both teams are right now, I think it would require Ireland to have a particularly off day and England to play out their skins for England to win. Yeah, because I, I mean, I heard going back to Andy Farrell. I mean, he he described them our match in Murrayfield last weekend as as not champagne rugby, but he said it was the best game he'd ever been involved in, and that bodes well for Saturday, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly, and I think that kind of comes from a sense of you know literally. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong, and so there's a sense of um, you know they really had to dig it out. Uh, like you said, it wasn't a vintage performance by any means. Um, I was there in Murrayfield myself, and I kind of felt in the early stages of the second half when 
Ronan Kelleher was clearly kind of carrying his arm. He couldn't um, couldn't really function. Like I did kind of feel that Ireland, you need to score first in that half. Had Scotland uh, scored, I'm not I'm not sure how that game would have gone. I think there's a, a chance Scotland could have gained confidence, but because of their inability to punish Ireland when they were kind of at a weak moment, like they started making unforced errors themselves, like poor passes, and on Ireland just stayed resolute, I guess, and kind of grew in confidence. And um, mm. you know, in the end, won the game pretty comfortably. And then, of course, we've got home advantage on Saturday. That that means so much, doesn't it, to the Irish team? Yeah, definitely. If you, if you go back twelve months, um, England had a player sent off against Ireland for a pretty bad tackle on John Ryan, or James Ryan, sorry. Um, and although England were down to fourteen men for most of the game, you know that they, they hung in there, and it, it wasn't a foregone conclusion until the latter stages that Ireland were going to win that game. So, home advantage does play a key part. Um, you know, especially when there's a momentum shift. If I guess if, if Ireland get the nose of the head, then kind of the, the crowd reaction kind of reinforces that self belief, and um, you know, vice versa. I guess the players can get an initial lift if the, they feel the crowd is is really particularly noisy on on the day, and um, you know, there's a good atmosphere created. And we've never won a Grand Slam in Dublin. I was surprised to read that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's strange, all right. Um, there's been one in, the, initial, the first one in '48 was in Belfast, but um, the two more recent ones were were abroad. So you know, there's a there's a I guess a unique element to that, and of course the fact that it'll be Johnny Sexton's last Six Nations game, and the fact he can break Ronan O'Gara's points record, having equaled it on some on Sunday. So there's a lot lot of kind of um, I guess stuff that you would kind of dare not script almost, um, you know. So there's there's a lot at stake, and it could be a really special day. And what have we injury concerns? I know last weekend um, Dan Sheehan and and Caelan Doris um, had to go off. Are, are they all okay? Uh, well, we're waiting for confirmation on the team. Um, neither Sheehan nor Doris have been ruled out um, definitively, but. Gary Ringrose, who came off late with a head knock, he is, and um, Ian Henderson, who fractured his wrist in the first half, they're definitely out. Um, my feeling would be that Doris might might um, feature at some stage, but I think at Hooker, they will probably go with Rob Herring as a starter, um, and then hopefully either Sheehan or Kelleher, one of them will be fit enough to be on the bench. And as you mentioned, for Johnny Sexton, will it be an emotional day for him as well, do you think? Yeah, like, you know, he's kind of so driven that at the times you kind of almost regard him as, as a robot. But then you can see kind of on occasions, you know, in the aftermath, um, kind of what it means to him. He probably lets his, lets his guard down a bit. Um, there was a funny line from Keane Healy during the week about um, wanting to do it for Johnny. Not, not Almost not in the sense of just a, a teammate, said, but the, the Johnny just after a match when you've won, that's the best Johnny there is. So, ah. uh, <laughs> that's the kind of, uh, yeah... You know, I guess he just thrives on it, thrives on that big occasion and the, the sense of achievement. So, um, yeah, hopefully he gets to enjoy the moment. And looking at this team, Neil, do we have a really, really good shot at the World Cup later on in the year? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I'm, you're loath to say it because of what's happened before. You know, we've certainly been in the in the situation before where we thought we had. I guess the one key, well, two key differences of, on previous occasions. One, the strength and depth has increased. The fact we were able to deal with all that adversely last Sunday when, you know, five players went off injured, three of them in the first 25 minutes, two of them in the same position um, and got through it. That's one factor. Secondly, um, you know, they 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 play a, a, a good attacking brand of rugby with Joe Schmidt. Joe Schmidt did incredibly well in bringing the team to a certain level, had a lot of these kind of set plays that uh, um, 
you know, for for a long time kind of worked, but then I guess when maybe teams began to figure figure us out a little, whereas under Andy Farrell, the players are encouraged to kind of play what's in front of them, um, you know, kind of to make their own calls, read the situation, and they've responded well to that and obviously have shown a great deal of consistency over the last 12 months or so. OK, and Mark, one of our listeners, question please for, for Neil. Uh, should this match have been played at Croke Park? Huge interest in Irish rugby at the moment and they would have got, more people could have gone to see the match. What's, is it 82, over 82,000 is the capacity yeah. for Croke Park? For eight, for eight. What's the Viva, over 51,000? 51, 51, yeah. 51.7. Um, yeah, like it's, in an ideal world you would have the biggest games played in front of the biggest capacities but there will be a lot of I guess stumbling blocks to unpick. First of all, there's the contractual obligation um, for the RFU to play all their test matches in the Viva Stadium. Um, so Viva, you know, wouldn't take too kindly uh, having paid for the naming rights. If uh, well, they'd be in breach of contract, they'd have to reach a settlement with Viva, which would be difficult in its own right. And yes, obviously there'd be the extra t- ticket revenue which would come from those thirty thousand ticket sales. But between I guess paying off Aviva and then paying the uh, GAA for rent of the stadium. You know, it mightn't actually add a huge commercial value to the RFU, albeit the flip side of that is, you know, you would have 30,000 more fans there being able to see it yeah, it's in person. Good. People scrambling for tickets. Are you going yourself? I am indeed, yeah. Are you? <laughs> All right. Do you want to call the score? I, I mean, I, I know by listening to you, you're, you're, you're back in an Irish win. By how much do you reckon? I would say by more than one score. So I'd say by, by between... 10 to 15 points, I would say. 10 to 15 points. We'll mark you down yeah. for that. Listen, Neil, pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Thanks, and uh, thanks for joining us. Good afternoon to you. That is uh, Neil O'Farrell, who is the chief sports writer with the Irish Sun. Between 10 and 15 points, he reckons Ireland are going to beat England on Saturday. It's going to be an exciting game of uh, rugby for sure. This is the Court Today replay on C103. 0818103103 Some of your calls coming uh, in um, the Irish language and this is some people responding to the listener from Killarney when we were talking about that they can't get a guard the sergeant to be based in Ballyvorney because they can't find a guard the sergeant who's proficient in the Irish language who wants to take up the uh, post and that led to a Killarney listener saying that she's often been in the area and also in Dingle areas that are traditionally Gaeltacht areas and even though she speaks Irish she's never heard anybody speaking Irish only once I think she said when she was in Dingle. Martha A. McCroom says I am not too sure that that lady from Killarney is really paying attention because if she listens very carefully you will hear a lot of people speaking Irish. It's very common says Martha in and around McCroom for example to hear people having conversations uh, and it's the most wonderful thing to hear. I think to hear really good Irish language speakers uh, speak I just think is absolutely fantastic and Doreen in Doreen in Glenflesk says tell that lady in Killarney that she needs to start speaking the Irish that she has I go to Dingle a lot with work and she said in particular in the centre store on Main Street I always when I'm paying for whatever I'm buying in there I always end up speaking Irish uh, with the staff there and all of them do speak Irish so that's yeah you need to use and she said herself she does speak Irish it's just that she's never she's never heard it being spoken and I did make that point to her when she sent in her message 
if she starts speaking Os she'll find particularly if you're in Gaeltacht areas she'll find people who will be more than willing and delighted uh, to strike up a conversation uh, with her and hi Patricia there's a pop-up Gaeltacht in Clonakilty at 11pm on the first Saturday uh, of every month it's at the Cafe on the Lane that's in Spillers Lane in Clonakilty all local Gaeltacht are welcome along for a relaxed chat uh, as Gaeltacht and a cup on tea has been served other impromptu meets, meetups also take place at random events like for example a group might meet up and decide to go for a drink in a pub and all of them will speak Irish tomorrow the clan pop-up Gaeltacht group will be participating in the Clonakilty parade and going back afterwards to Connemora's bar wow much of my misspent youth was spent in Connemore's Bar in Clonakilty and they'll be there for about an hour between three and four in the afternoon and then tonight the group are meeting at Fiddler's Green at eight and they are welcoming anyone who'd like to come along they also have social events and you can find out more on their Facebook page for updates that's the Clonakilty pop-up at Gwaeltocks and thanks to um, the listener for sending that in to us if people want to dabble in the Irish language and learn more about the Irish language and pick up more of the, uh, the Irish language uh, feel free to join that group 0818 103 103 still getting swamped with suggestions to replace Ryan Tuberty on the late late with his announcement that he will be leaving at the end of this season by the way I got the official date of his final late late show will be on Friday the 26th of May and he is committed to continuing with his radio show on week mornings but his final late late will be on the last Friday in uh, May some of your suggestions coming in John has been on to say Zara King She'd be a great option. Isha's going with Dahi O'Shea. Number of people are back going with Marty Morrissey when somebody suggested that. Somebody said he'd be terrific with the humour. John is suggesting Nuala Carey or Miriam O'Callaghan. Joe Duffy's name has been has been mentioned. Would Joe be good? And Joe is certainly well able to talk. Pat Short. Somebody else says he'll bring a comedy twist to it. Eddie in Bandon says, I wish Ryan Tuberty well, but he wasn't the best on the political interviews. And in fairness, John O'Donovan, who joined us, made the same point. Overall, though, I do wish him the best. Whoever takes over, I feel, it should remain in the very same for- format. The Late Late Show should continue as is. It's now 60 years uh, going and it should go at least until it's celebrating its 100th birthday. Also, if a female presenter gets the role she should get it on her merit for example with all the talk about women and jobs today back in the day Patricia when you started your show it went along due to your merit so whoever gets the show it should be on merit and it should be nothing to do with gender yeah and I absolutely hope that they go down that route as well that it's the best person uh, for the job Marty Morrissey somebody else says would be great for the late late my choice says somebody else is Marty Whelan please know Tommy Tiernan that was suggested uh, earlier that is from Phil wouldn't be a fan there Brendan says the best presenter for the late late definitely would be Marty Morrissey a brilliant all-rounder now I haven't done a count and we haven't been we haven't done any sort of a see who's voting for who but certainly looking at a lot of the commentary coming in it does look like Marty Morrissey is out on front with our listeners. Somebody suggesting Lucy Kennedy. There's a new name. Lucy is uh, would be terrific. That's a, that's a really good uh, suggestion. Someone else says, please not Dahi O'Shea. He's too morbid. Uh, please don't get a Pat Kenny. He is the and please don't bring back Kat, Pat Kenny. Never enjoyed him. He was very very uh, dry. Kerry Listener has a good suggestion. Brendan O'Connor. 
He is intelligent, interesting and is very, very easy to listen to. Brendan O'Connor, yeah, I think he would be good. And actually, Marion Bishopstone is in for a vote for Brendan O'Connor as well. He should be the one who should replace um, Ryan uh, Tuberty. That's Marion Bishopstone. Thank you for that. Some of your commentary coming in uh, with suggestions and we'll pass them all on to D Forbes up in RTE and so in our Top and Safe New Earth. Okay, somebody's saying, would you go away whoever suggested Bertie Ahern? He would not be the man for the Late Late Show. Claire Byrne would do a fantastic job, says this texter. I heard you mention Jerry Ryan. I wasn't a fan of him. He was filthy mouthed, says this texter. John B. Keane's son would also be another interesting uh, choice. Uh, Billy Keane, uh, he would be uh, an interesting choice. And then a couple of <laughs> people are still suggesting me. No, thank you. And thank you for your kind thoughts, but no, would not be interested. Somebody says, Patricia, your own Marie two week would be fantastic. She would be a great presenter of The Late Late and you couldn't get a more talented person than our own Mairead uh, Tuig. I'm telling you that. Somebody young, please, for The Late Late Show. It should be somebody under the age of uh, 40. Uh, that rules me out. Thank you. Uh, Louise Duffy for The Late Late Show says Nora. Good choice. And Marty. We're still getting the votes in for Marty uh, Morrissey. Hi, Patricia. No, Not the same old faces, please, from RTE for The Late Late Show. My suggestion would be Stephanie Preisner. Stephanie Preisner, uh, who grew up here in Mallow, would be super. She's a st- straight talker who listens and she's excellent. Yeah, there's a good... See, lots of people bounding around and it's true. I think they... I, I, I really hope that that's what RT do, that they do think outside the box and that certainly is what a lot of our listeners are saying. Rather than, as John O'Donovan said, rather than going to the RT canteen and just take a look around and see who's free, you know, maybe go uh, further field but I've just got in the latest running to uh, replace uh, Ryan Tuberty. By the way I didn't realise this because somebody was somebody actually asked how long is Ryan Tuberty presenting the Late Late Show. He's been doing it for 14 years. I didn't realise it was that long. Well Ladbrokes, the bookmakers will bet on anything. Uh, they're seeing mounting interest already people are on to the betting shops to put money on who will replace them. So this is the very uh, latest veteran RTE broadcaster, Miriam O'Callaghan, our listeners have mentioned her, uh, has been installed as the hot favourite to replace Ryan Tuberty, odds of three to one, while Claire Byrne also in the running at six to one to make a return to TV. And of course, I did mention she did step back from Claire Byrne live late last year. And if, and if I'm right, she stepped back because of family commitments. Now, maybe, maybe something like the late, late, she might stop and think again. Ray Darcy, do we have anybody? I don't think we'd any vote in for Ray Darcy. Uh, no stranger to chat show hosting. He had his own show uh, before. He's in the mix at eight to one to take over the Late Late Show as is Brendan O'Connor that some of our listeners have mentioned Tommy Tiernan getting mixed reaction though on uh, Tommy Tiernan they're both in Brendan O'Connor's at 10 to 1 and uh, Tommy Tiernan is at 16 to 1 Sarah McInerney again her name has been mentioned on the programme already she's currently priced at 18 to 1 to swap her Radio 1 afternoon show for the prime time uh, slot well she could do both I mean Certainly the three men that have done it to date have had a daily radio show. Now, granted, it's all been morning radio shows they've they've done, but I don't see why she should have to give up her radio show if she decided to uh, take it on. The bookies are also offering odds of 18 to 1 for the Love Island winner. Do you remember Greg O'Shea, the 
the rugby player who won Love Ireland, uh, Love Ireland a couple of years ago. He's in uh, the running and the recently announced um, uh, uh, he's also the recently announced co-host of Virgin Media's six o'clock show. So he has the experience. Could he make the jump to RTE for the Late, late show, uh, show job? He is at 18 to 1. Ladbrokes are also reporting interest in Marty Morrissey. Maybe that's coming from our listeners here in Cork. He's a national treasure is how they uh, describe him. And the Clare native currently, you can back Marty Morrissey to present the Late Late Show at 33 to 1. And now Greg O'Shea isn't the only Virgin media name in the mix. Ireland AM's Alan Hughes is an outside shot at 40 to 1 uh, along with the 6 o'clock clo- show favourite Martin King and the political correspondent Gavin Riley. They're both at uh, 50 to uh, 1. And my suggestion of Elaine Crowley from Virgin Media, I'm surprised that there's no odds on uh, Elaine. Anyway, that's just a bit of fun. That's how Ladbrokes are looking at it at the moment. And as I did mention, RT have said we're not going to hear anything. D Forbes is saying we won't hear anything until uh, the summer uh, time, even though she was very full in her praise of Ryan Tuberty and acknowledge the enormous commitment he has made to the late, late uh, show. And uh, he says that the the reason that he is uh, stepping down, he said it's been a privilege to host the show and he is saying he's staying on. He's staying on in radio, but he's also saying that, you know, he might get involved in other TV work. He's not completely ruling out uh, TV work, but uh, for now he wants to step down from the late, late. 0818103103. Now, a couple of other texts and comments uh, coming into the programme. Mike in Bantry says, Patricia, like John O'Donovan, when I asked when, when you asked him, was he going to the parade? He said, no, he's going to be walking on the beach. I'll be doing the same thing, says uh, Mike. Ah, I don't know what beach John is going to, but you might uh, meet, meet him. Uh, Mike's going to, he thinks St. Patrick's Day is overrated and there's nothing better than a walk on the beach. Uh, Dan then reacting when Ballyvorney is without a Garda sergeant because he can't get a Garda sergeant who is proficient in the Irish language. Uh, Dan says, the Garda bring in translators if they need to deal with people whose English is not their first language. Surely they can hire a lo- local Irish speaker if and when they require for a guard station like the one in Ballyvorney if the need arises on the odd occasion instead of being without a guard sergeant, says Dan. And yeah, and I was surprised to hear Andreas say they're without a guard sergeant now. It's over three years. It's 2019 since Garda Khan the Sergeant Khan was the last sergeant that was there. And Marie is picking up on the piece I mentioned about Bishop Gavin, who has, Fintan Gavin, who has sent out a message to all of the parishes in Cork and Ross Diocese that they can now remove the last of the COVID restrictions. No more mask wearing inside in the church, even for people giving out communion. You can now receive communion on your tongue if that's uh, what you want. And people involved in literally the word and all that, nobody needs to wear masks anymore. But he is, they are sticking with the decision that they made during COVID times about the removal. There is still, you can, the open removal where people went to the church the night before and then people went in and sympathised. They're not reversing that decision. That's prompted Marie to say uh, Bishop 
Gavin is very happy to have been receiving offerings from the congregation within his churches, including those who are now deceased. Yet he won't allow those same people to spend their last night on this earth with their families in the church. I think it's a disgrace. You would think he would be trying to encourage people to be associated and come back within the church. Also, to hear him say that people will now be allowed to receive communion directly onto a person's tongue. I know who won't be receiving and that's me, says Marie. In fairness to Bishop Gavin, he did say the option is there. There are a cohort of Catholics who never liked the idea of receiving communion in their hand. So they now once again will have the option if they want to have the host paste on their tongue the way it used to be once upon a time. Uh, They now have the option so nobody will be forcing you to do that, uh, Marie. And people can spend their last night in the church. It's just it has to be done uh, privately. What they're against is people coming in and uh, sympathising. That's where I leave you for today and indeed for this week. Have a wonderful, wonderful St. Patrick's Day and the weekend uh, ahead. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing and Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Look after yourselves and stay dry. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG dot i